Praise the Lord, everybody. Today, if you're like me, that has sometimes lost uh, track with what day it is, what date it is, let me help you out a little bit. Today is May the 6th. May the 6th. Wednesday, May the 6th. Amen. We thank the Lord for allowing us another chance to look into His Word. Another chance to be able to see His Word. Another chance to be able to uh, pronunciate His Word. Consonants, vowels, and syllables. A lot of people can't do that, and it's a privilege to be able to do so. Amen. We honor our pastor, uh, evangelist. I mean, Pastor Borson. Been, she ain't been an evangelist for a while. She's pastor now, Pastor Borson, about the church in Nicholsville, Kentucky. Amen. We won't be late you tonight, but we'll go straight into the lesson. Last week we looked at uh, spiritual qualifications. Tonight we're going to look at. Uh, moral qualifications and the uh, title of this lesson is body life body life our moral qualifications Father God we bless you we thank you Holy Father for all you and bless you restore upon your people Holy Father we ask in the name of Jesus that you uh, have your way tonight uh, give me wisdom knowledge and understanding to teach your word Holy Father let me decrease as you increase Holy Father keep me focused on your word Holy Father, we ask that you uh, direct my uh, words and my voice in a way that's pleasing to you, in a way that's going to upbuild, in a way that's going to edify the saints of God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Body, life, and moral qualifications. Amen. Here, uh, Paul shifts from... You know, he shifts from doctrine, as he's been talking about doctrine. He shifts from doctrine now to duty, our duty. He makes a transition from the principles of the word to practice, practicing these principles. He transitions from our position in Christ now to our behavior in Christ, how we behave. And how we conduct ourselves as Christian uh, brothers and sisters for Christ. This is where the, the Christian rubber meets the Christian road, if you will. This is where uh, orthodoxy uh, uh, turns into practice, if you will. You know, uh, the standards that are so standard or so true or so consistent, now they may, they must be that same way. In practice, in what we practice, and what we do, and what we say, and how we live. That's why this lesson is focused on the body, B-O-D-Y, right? Once again, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. I hope that doesn't hinder uh, uh, some of you, but uh, here we go. Ephesians 4 and 1 reads, he said, Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, He said, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He said, walk or live. Let your conversation, which is your life, your speech, let it be in a manner that's worthy of the calling. You know, because we're called to a high calling. Be in service of Christ and works for Christ is a high calling. It is a 
it may not be all that uh, looked upon in this world as that important or may not be uh, esteemed an important position in this world, but it is to God. It is. Just as it is a high column to be an ambassador for the United States, uh, be a delegate of the United States, that's a high calling. So it is a high calling to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And when all is said and done, and when the when the Lord uh, breaks through the sky and reveals himself to the world, we will all see what a high calling it is. So he said, what well, worthy of this calling which you have been called? But our main lesson text is going to come from 1 Timothy 3 and verses 8 through 13. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 8 through 13. Read as follows. He said, Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, nor addicted to much wine or fine or sordid things. But holding to the mystery of the faith with a, with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons. And if they are beyond, and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So we want to look at what Paul is telling uh, the saints here. Now, once again, this section of scripture is not only for deacons. It's not only for deacons. This section refers to deacons, deaconesses, deaconesses, which are the female deacons, or any worker for Christ. Anybody that would be a servant. Remember, our word deacon is servant. Anybody that would be a servant of Christ, or a worker of Christ, or an ambassador of Christ. These verses of Scripture applies to the standard of our lives. Now, the first section of Scripture, he refers to the personal life of the worker. The personal life. He said, the first characteristic is that we should be grave. We should be grave. In other words, we should be sincere in what we're doing for Christ. One definition of the word grave is of, is, of, is of conduct or character. Grave refers to an attitude of seriousness which speaks to how important our job is to the church. So, you know, it's okay to have fun, to laugh, and to joke because, you know, laughter does feel like a medicine. But when it comes to the business of the church and working for Christ, he said we should have a we should be grave, we should have a serious mindset. You know, we should we should be focused when it's time to start service, when it's time to work for the Lord, we should be 
focused in on the task at hand. And then after our job and work is done, then we can go back being a little bit more relaxed and, and crack a little bit more jokes or have a little bit more fun. But, but our character should be sincere when we work for Christ because we take our work seriously. He also said that we should not be double-tongued. Not double-tongued. In other words, there shouldn't be no double-talk. Double-talk when it comes to us workers with Christ because what we say should be the same no matter who we're around. It should be the truth. It should be the truth. We should, we should always speak the truth. Even to, a, to our own detriment. If it hurts us, we should always tell the truth. We shouldn't speak from both sides of our mouth. You know, depending on what, what audience is in front of us. The truth doesn't change depending on the audience or the situation. You find some people who are you know, they talk different around different people. You know, uh, they talk different around their family. Or they talk different around their co-workers. Or different around uh, friends. But as workers for Christ, we should always tell the truth. And not, you know, oh, that was just a white lie. Well, ain't no such thing. No, a white lie, a red lie, or a blue lie. A lie is a lie. And Jesus said that Satan is the father of all liars. And Jesus doesn't, God doesn't like a deceitful tongue. We must learn to tell the truth. Even the courts of law uh, here down here on earth, they realize that how important the truth is. What do they say when you go now? Uh, you go to go to be sworn in. They swear, they tell, repeat after me. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? There we go down the line. They should apply to our daily lives. Always remember that servants keep matters in confidence. Servants keep matters in confidence. If somebody asks you, to not share something, don't share it. If they ask you to keep a secret, keep the secret. You know, don't tell nobody else. Because they're, they're telling you because they trust you as a, as a Christian. Christian man, Christian woman, a servant of God. Can you keep a confidence? Well, these four things may help you. Always remember these four gates when communicating with people. Always remember these four. It'll help you when communicating. Number one. First of all, consider this. Is it confidential? If it's confidential, don't share it. Before you share it. Consider it's a confidential because we talk too much. We talk, especially uh, a lot of times church people, a lot of times, the two main things we do that's uh, 
That's not good. We talk too much and we eat too much. I know, you know, it comes with the territory, but these are the things we have to work on. But remember, before you share share somebody's business, ask yourself, is this information I'm about to share, is it confidential? If it is, then keep it confidential. Number two, is it true? Girl, you ain't heard the latest. Is it, what is the latest? Is the latest true? That don't, that don't mean that it's before you say, think about is this true or did I get it secondhand from somebody else that told me, that told me, that told me. Well, I don't know how true it is, but I heard. Well, hey, don't share it. And even if it is true, that doesn't mean that we have to share it. You know, uh, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, I'm going to tell you because it's going to be on the news anyway. That preacher down in the, you know, on the other side of town, they caught him doing such and such and doing such and such. Yeah, it's true. It's on the live national TV. Well, you don't have to share it. If it's going to be on live national TV, they'll see it soon enough. Hey, let's not be tell bears of bad news because you know one day it may be your bad news that they carry. Hmm? Number three, is it necessary? Is it necessary? The information you're about to share. Is it necessary? Because some things like, you know, they may start a fire in some people's lives if we share some information. Don't you know too much information has broken up marriages? Don't you know too much unnecessary information has torn homes apart? Hey, ain't no sense in you Going down memory lane, telling your husband or your wife about some dirt or some things that you've done in your past that, 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 they don't need to hear all that because it may tear up your marriage. It ain't necessary. They don't need to hear all that. They don't know, need to know what you did years ago. Some people just ruined the whole homes. Because they feel they got to tell everything. Keep something to yourself because a lot of things not even necessary to say. And the last gate to watch over is, is it kind? Is it kind? Is what you're about to share or talk about, is it kind? Some stuff is just not kind. Those four tests will help us in communicating. The next characteristic that Paul says that a servant of Christ ought to have is he should not be given to too much wine. He should not be given to too much wine. What's that? What are you saying here? That he shouldn't be addicted to wine, to alcohol, to strong drink. Hmm? Well, well, why didn't you, some of my ask, why did Paul say he's going to make it a commandment and say that? The deacon and the deaconess should not drink wine, period. Well, because in those days, wine, they didn't have the medicines and the doctors that we have now. So wine oftentimes was used for medicinal purposes. So, you know, sometimes they had to use it. But, but, but we're not in those days now. We got plenty of doctors. We got plenty of medicine. So from, from the modern point of view, 
our standard would be strict uh, 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 resistance to drinking period will be zero tolerance it would be zero tolerance because I haven't met too many people that can just take one sip and stop it there no that's why we have drunk drivers on the streets on the roads killing up people drunk people you see them I witnessed the other day right in front of my own house oh this man was so drunk he was so intoxicated he was just barely moving down the road in his car he was hanging out the window he had to speak because he's so drunk just swerving I didn't say no I was looking to see if he's going to hit my son's car but then he just stopped and parked in the middle of the road and just got out and just just, just lost because he was under the influence of intoxication that's what Paul said and the servant of God I'm not to be given to much wine I'm addicted to it Leave it alone. Servants of Christ must not have a reputation of being a drinker and a drunk. Our lifestyles must be totally different from that of the world. Why do you say that, preacher? Because uh, uh, because drinking alters your your mindset. It alters your brain. It alters your thinking. So that's why it should be left alone. Any substance that alters your mentality not be once named among the saints. Discretion in ministry is a necessity. This is also a part of being dis- discreet. Being able to uh, 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 make a, a decision. Discretion is the ability to make responsible decisions. And this applies to our personal and our church life. Responsible decisions. Huh? That's what discretion is. We saw a little bit of that last last week. We were looking at spiritual qualification. Wisdom gives us discretion. Psalms one twelve and verse five says, "A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. With discretion." You know, he won't make, and she won't make, you know, just quick decisions off, off, off the cuff. They'll sit down and they'll think about it and they'll uh, 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 petition God and they'll ask God in prayer what to do. I used to, when my mother was alive, uh, she was a pastor, and every big decision I had to make, call myself, I had to make big decisions. It was big to me. Uh, I, would, I would either call her or go over to the house and talk to her and answer her opinion. But when she died, I couldn't do that no more. I had to make decisions on my own. I didn't have nobody to go run to and, and, and get godly counsel. huh? I had to learn to get in the Word and, and become discreet myself in dealing with the things of life, making decisions for the family, for myself, and what's right, what's wrong. We should be able to make a godly decision. Prayer and fasting and just quiet time is seeking the mind of God. Proverbs 1 and 4. To give subtlety or prudence to the simple. 
Uh, some people are just simple, you know. They don't know. And you, something you have to help them. Help give give them prudence. Give them good good advice. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion. You don't have to be young and dumb. No, he's young enough. You don't have to be. I found some old dumb people. What they say? What's worse, a young fool or an old fool? I don't know. I have yet to I don't know. It's pretty bad for both of them if you ask me. Because a young fool, he's young and he's dumb and don't know he's young and dumb. But then the old fool, they young, they they old and dumb and should know. But hey, which one was? I don't want to be neither one of them. I want to have be. I want to have discretion in my youth and I want to have discretion in my old age. According to the word of God, it can be done. Proverbs 2 and 11 says, Discretion shall preserve thee. It shall keep you. Make your right decision. It'll keep you. It'll keep you in the right way. And that's what Paul was referencing when it comes to the personal life. Now, let's look at what he talks about the, the, the community life and he goes on now he talks about some things that's going to affect our com- community life or our life among the church other church members and the world and the unsaved and, and when he says that the, uh, the worker should not be greedy of 50 lucre should not be greedy of 50 lucre in other words he says he shouldn't have money in his eyes Money shouldn't. I know we looked at this uh, last week, but here it is again. So uh, it, it, it's repeated in scripture, so we can repeat it again. He should not be focused on dishonest gain. Dishonest gain. You know, because some people all they can think about is as much. How to get more? How to get a you know, as one rich man, uh, how much money is enough? When will you have enough money? He goes, oh, he, I don't, he, he, I don't really like money. It, it just comes to my nerves, you know. Right? Hey, what's enough? How much is enough money? He said, and the worker of Christ, the deacon, the deaconess, should not be greedy for filthy lucre. That's why he called it filthy because it's through dishonest gain. And why does he say that? Because oftentimes we have we are called upon to handle the church money and the church finance. That's why he says money shouldn't affect us like that. That's why he says we should have self control over our desire for money. See, it all it all adds up. Mm-hmm. And if we take the scriptures, like the scriptures, we you know, like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. You take a big old box of jigsaw puzzles, puzzles, and you just double out and get the before pieces everywhere. But it takes time. But once you start putting those pieces together and connecting them, you can slowly see the picture that you're trying to create. 
And that's the same way with scripture. If you dig in the word and get in the word and pay attention to the word, you will slowly see the picture that God is trying to get us to see. He's trying to create a divine world through the text of scripture and with the teachers of scripture, with the deaconess, with the deacons, with the workers for Christ, with the pastors, with the teachers, they're helping us to see that, 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 that world that God is trying to give us all to inhabit. And, and, and how do we do it? Pericope by pericope. In other words, that's this piece of scripture by the next piece of scripture. Text upon text, line by line, Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, Bible class, Sunday school, we get closer to the ideal world that is described in the text of God's scripture, but it takes little by little, and you got to hang in there to see the whole picture, and here we have another piece of the picture that lets us know what deacons, deaconess, and servants of Christ ought to be like when they deal with God's money. You can't just have a crook handling God's money. Huh? Somebody that, that 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 has a constant desire for making more money, often through dishonest gain, huh? Or they want money and possessions. That cannot be the main focus with serving God. That cannot be the main focus. But why do we have most most of the time we have two people counting the money? Because and we're not saying that uh. One person counting the money is any problem, no. We don't want you to be tempted. So we send somebody back there with you to help you count the money. Huh? We don't give the Satan a, a foothold. We don't give him a place to tempt us. Huh? Plus, it, it, it also helps, helps you to stay honest and to help you from uh, having temptation. And it protects you too, because say if 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 I'm the only one going back there counting the money, and somebody squares an accusation against me, say, "Well, I think he's stealing the money. He back up by himself, and that it's just his word against mine." But if there's a witness, the other person can speak up. No, I was back there. He didn't steal nothing. Hey, we took up two hundred fifty, and two hundred fifty was deposited. No, no funny business. No crooked stuff. That's what he's saying here. So you cannot tell me that God's word doesn't cover every inch of how the church of God ought to conduct themselves. We don't pull this stuff out of the air. It's all in the scripture. There's a way. Decent and in order. This is community life. Then he goes on to say, we ought to hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Hold the mystery of the faith in a pure con- conscience. Let's spit that piece of pericope. A pericope is a piece or whatever section of the text that we're dealing with. Because you know, one verse of scripture, that's a text. You know, uh, but but it could be a lot of. That could be a big chunk of scripture. One verse could be a just like this uh, section here. It's saying a lot. 
But we're going to only deal with one pericope or one piece of the text at a time. So the piece we're going to deal with now is holding the mystery. What mystery? The deep truths of God's Word. See, so he says that the work of Christ, the deacons, the deaconess that we are, we should hold the deep truths of, of the faith, which is God's Word. In other words, we should have a grasp on it. We should be able to explain uh, salvation to somebody. We should be able to explain how to uh, be baptized, how to uh, explain a verse of scripture. We, as workers of Christ, should be able to explain. He's not saying that we got to uh, uh, be like a, a, a scholar now, uh, 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 be a theological brilliant mind. No, he's not saying that. He said we should be able to hold the deep truths, salvation, baptism, worship, the finality of God. Those those main truths of, 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 of the faith, we should have a grasp on it. If we don't have a grasp on it, we should get a grasp on it. Because I can't share with nobody what I don't already possess myself. Whose fault is it if we don't if we don't know the scriptures? Whose fault is it if we cannot be called upon to maybe teach a Bible class or to teach a Sunday school? Huh? Huh? That's our own fault. Sometimes we have to. We should be prepared. We should always be prepared. And keep like, like like my pastor used to say, "Hey, you gotta keep your your your, your tools sharp. You never know when you're gonna be called upon to use them. Keep your spiritual tools sharp. Studying the word. Anyway, a preacher should always have a sermon on the back burner." Whether you preach it or not, no, no, it should always be a sermon brewing somewhere in, in your mind. <laughs> the teacher should always have something going on in that mind where they're turning over the Word of God, chewing and focusing it, and wrestling with some pericope of Scripture that they don't quite yet understand. We wrestle with it first that the congregation and the people of God, they don't have to wrestle. They just sit down at the table and put their spiritually napkins on, get their fork and their spoons, and eat the scrumptious word of God. But, hey, somebody had to wrestle. Somebody had to, 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 to wrangle that cow in and kill it and then cut the beef up so, so, so you can have steaks. Or, or somebody had to get out there and, and, and throw the line and catch that salmon fish and pull them in and clean them and get that blue bluegill fish and scrape all them scales off. Hey, before it can be enjoyed on our dinner plate. Same way with the Word of God. Somebody has to label in the Word. If, if those that are children in the Word and those that are not 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 as, as gifted and trained in the word can enjoy the same word that we enjoy, but it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take turning that TV off, 
It's going to take cutting, getting off the, this internet, getting off the social media, and getting in God's Word. You know what else it's going to take? And the reason I'm saying all this because he says right here, holding the mystery of the faith. And this is how we hold the mystery of the faith. You know, he goes, he goes you're going to have to invest. If you're serious about the things of God, hey, you're going to have to invest in some biblical literature. You need a commentary. You need a study Bible. Those are, those are the two basic starting books that you need. And you need other books to help you understand the scriptures. That's why the Lord gives us all these teachers and all of these brilliant minds uh, in, in, in the area of, of Christianity. A lot of this stuff has already been figured out through the power of the Spirit that the Lord has showed somebody else. So why do you have to go and try to reinvent the wheel? No. If the Lord has already shown Brother So-and-So this mystery and this revelation, I'm not going to start from scratch. I'm going to go to Brother So-and-So's book and read it and see what God told him. Hey, and then I can maybe I can go higher off of that. Build your library so you have tools to work with. In the next portion of this uh, text, he says, this must be done in a pure conscience. In a pure conscience. That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. Have a pure conscience. This is a commitment to biblical truth and the living out of its truth with a good conscience. Clear conscience. Clear conscience. That's why, huh? That's why a lot of a lot of saints don't they don't pray. They don't feel the desire to pray as much. You know why? Because they got a guilty conscience. You know, ain't no sense me praying to God when I know and I'm not doing right. How can you ask God to give you this and to do this for you when you know you're not doing the right thing? So you don't pray. And your hence the conscience is not pure. And your prayers are hindered. Yes. He said in 1 Timothy 1 and 19, he said, keeping faith and a good conscience. He said, which some have rejected, look, and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. See, a guilty conscience can cause us to suffer shipwreck. Well, we'll, 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 we won't continue in the faith. Because a clear conscience is what guides us you know, it's like it's like the compass on the ship. It's what guides us. When we can't see the sun, it's, it's raining, it's storming. If, if, if we got a good compass, we still know what direction we're going. Our conscious is our spiritual compass. And when it's guilty and when it's not clear, it just spins. You don't know what direction you're going. That's why 
you can listen to one preacher and you try to run after this one. You listen to one preacher and you just believe everything. Everybody. The Bible said, uh-uh, try the spirits and see if they are of God. But if our conscience is all jacked up, we don't know who's a God because we don't have a pure conscience. As a Paul said, you got to keep a pure conscience. And I know, I know when you make a mistake and do something wrong, ask God, confess that thing, repent, and get it off of you, and go on. Get your conscience pure and clean again. Huh? Don't just keep on wilding in the... You see some, some of that foul? <laughs> Let me give you a, a, a word picture real quick. Go there with me in your mind. You see somebody that get nice and clean, nice clean clothes on, all of a sudden they fall down in the mud. And then they try to get back up again, they fall down again. You know, I almost had the mother's father. Hey, we don't have to be like that. Get up out your sin and, 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 and make yourself clear of that mud pole, mud hole. Take them dirty clothes off, clean yourself up, and do better next time. Watch where you're going. Don't walk in the same track. But sometimes we go right around the same corner. And there's that tempter. We knew, we knew that tempted was going to be there, so that's why we went that way, so we wanted to be tempted. But if we want to get our minds right, we'll go another way. Uh-uh, I'm going this way. I'm not going to tempt myself. If I know such and such thing tempts me, I'm going to go around the opposite way so I don't have to deal with it. The Bible says, with every temptation, he gives us a way to escape. But a lot of times we don't take the escape. But that is why our conscience is not pure. And it will cause us to suffer a shipwreck regarding our faith if we don't stay focused on His Word. When our lifestyle does not, does not align with the truth of God's Word, our ministries, our mission, what we're doing, it, it won't succeed. It won't succeed. It just, the seeds won't grow. Not, not, not spiritually, not the way that God will have them to grow and, and, and prosper and be successful in His way. The, you have none, some people you hear them say, oh, that person's got a green thumb. They can make anything grow. I think my grandmother had a green thumb. He put it in a matter and it will grow. I don't know, but I think I might have a green thumb too. <laughs> I'm telling you, I lived in Georgia and, and I moved in this house and it was like nothing but sand in the front yard. Sand, I'm telling you. It's okay. I said, all right. I get it. I get some grass out here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's always, no. I'm I get, and when I left that yard, it was full of green grass. <laughs> hey! But she makes sense. Some, some people, whether you ain't doing right by God, spiritually speaking, I don't care what seeds you put out there, it's not going to grow. It's not going to be successful. Your businesses are not going to take off. Your, 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 your marriages are not going to be successful. Your finances will never be where you want it to be if you are not doing what God has called you to do and doing it the way God called you to do it and using God's power that he's enabled us to do it with. That lifestyle has to match so we won't make shit right. Servants oftentimes have to teach God's word. But the word must be rightly divided. 
opinions, opinions not included. Opinions are not included when it comes to holding the mystery of faith. Nowadays, there's a lot of uh, sharing when it comes to the teaching of God's word. Let's share, and I just want to my opinion. Well, if you want to state, you know, well, just you know, just remember this: if you if you want to state your opinion in declaring or teaching God's word, make sure you let the people know that you give your opinion. Preface the, the sentence with "This is." This is my opinion, so people will know that you're not saying that's the truth of God's word. But we should focus mainly on teaching God's word. For example, you know, you know, Mr. June, he's a teaching deacon. He's a teaching deacon. Now, what did Paul say? Uh, Paul said, you choose from among you. That's why the congregation most oftentimes choose the deacons and the deaconess. The responsibility oftentimes is, is, is delegated down to the congregation. And, the, and, and they make that decision. Well you, well, you may say, well, preacher, I thought you said that God make Well, God does make a decision. But God is so divine and so powerful that he, that he evokes his decision, decision of the connotation of his saints. Hey, yeah, that works. He, he knows how, hey, how to move upon you to pick his man, to pick his woman. If they be the true saints of God help the pastor, to help the church leadership. The pastor can't do it all. Mm. We must be able to teach the word. Moving on. He also said that another community life uh, characteristic that we should have is, he said, and, and, and then, I want to read that again. He said, these men must also first be tested. Then, let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. See? So to what he said, he said, they must be proved. They must be proved. When you want to test the value of a coin's metal, you must first heat it up, put some heat to it. Heat it up to the point of melting. When it starts to melt, then watch its behavior. You take a tomato and heat it up, and when it starts to melt, you'll see the other alloys coming out of it. All the other impurities start to roll out of it. And then when it's finished, you just have the pure silver or the pure gold. You take a man or woman of God and you put them under the pressure, and you put them under the heat, and you put them in the hot petri dish, of dealing with the church, they'll watch their behavior. Some of them will go to cussing. Some of them will go to fighting. Some of them will go to doing all types of stuff that's not like God. Why? Because the impurities of the life is boiling out of them and God is under the depression. Huh? When you deal with people, especially, let me calm down, get me here. When you deal with people, 
especially with our people, hey, if the heat is on, baby, the heat is on. And you take the heat, if you can't take the heat, get out of God's kitchen. It's hot in here. He said they must be tested first. What you said? They must undergo scrutiny. From who? Who does the testing then? If they must be tested. They must undergo scrutiny of the congregation of God's people. That's who does the testing. Why? Because the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The true saints of God, oh yeah, they watching, they, so they saying that, that, that these service must go through, they must be observed. And they must go through a period of time of testing so, so we can see how they respond to difficult circumstances. Who, who can see, so the saints can see? Oh, that's how they reacted when they didn't get an offering. Okay. They're being tested. Okay, that's that's how they reacted when the pastor asked them to to do such such a, such a thing. Let them be tested. Oh, I see. So that's how they. Okay, that's how they behave when they upset. Uh-huh. Let them be tested first. Like Paul said, you choose from among you. It's a period of probation, if you will. That's why James said, hey, don't be so quick to, to, to become a teacher. It is because, don't be so quick to get in the hot seat. Because he said, you're going to be judged by a stricter punch, judgment. And you said before God, God's going to judge you more harshly. Why? Because you know more. To him that knows much, much is required. Huh? Oh, well, 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 hey, man, watch out. You, you're going too slow. Man, you're supposed to pick that left turn. Turn right here. Why are you driving so slow? Oh, yeah. Everything looks good when you in the, when passing the seat. But you wait till you get up here under the driver's seat. You get under this seat, under this wheel. And you have to mask the brake. You have to mask the, the gas. And you have to put it in gear. And after on the road, you got ice, slick spots. It's raining like cats and dogs. Drunk people on the road. Hey, it ain't so easy when you're in the hot seat. Hey, let them first be tested. It's more than just having a title in front of your name saying that you this, you that. Have you been tested? Can you stand the heat of God's kitchen? Then he said, if they be found blameless, then let them serve. What are you saying? He said, blameless doesn't mean that they're sinless. None of us are sinless. We all have sin to come show the glory of God. Every person that comes on this earth, baby born out of her mother's womb, out of his mother's womb, the first day, Oh, he's so precious. Oh, she's so beautiful. She's a sinner. She's a little heathen until God saved her. Hey, make no mistake. Blameless does not mean that we're sinless. 
but this refers to being free from any charge or any misconduct among our fellow sisters and brothers. In a word, we should be mature. Mature saints. Ain't nobody hold a charge against you. Your neighbors can't say, "Uh uh-uh, no, that's not a deacon, that's not a deacon, that's not a serving guy. I I know, no, they shouldn't be able to hold a charge against you. The ones in the congregation shouldn't be, no, I wouldn't, I I know the history, you may want to watch it. Hey, make sure you send somebody back with them to count the money. Hey, there should be no blame. I'm not saying you're perfect. Don't let it be what's named among you, among the saints, and sisters and brothers of God's house of misconduct without getting it right. We're going to stop right there because i got too much to continue, but I don't want to rush through it. So this is part one of Body Life our moral qualifications because those next week will continue with part two body life moral qualifications Holy Father who's adequate for all of these things that you require of us who's able who has the ability to do them Lord no not one of us except you give us the power and except you give us the strength to do this difficult task that you have called all of us to, we won't be able to do it. Lord, let us be filled with your spirit. Help us to know the enablement and the energy that you have prepared for us to do your work. Oh God, help us and give us the power to put old flesh down. Make flesh take a back seat. And tell us Satan that we're not going to sell out. But we're going to do what you've called us to do. Uh, and we'll depend on your strength from the day we start until we until the day we leave this world. We're going to be condemned. continuing on your strength. Bless your people. Keep them safe in both body and soul. If you ask me. Good night.